We are the girls from Boxcar A, and we're here to talk and teach about The Walking Dead with you. Hello, everyone. I'm Pamela. And I'm Taya. And welcome to episode two of The Girls in Boxcar A. So glad you guys could join us. I hope that you're social distancing okay, and uh, that you can spend a little time with us as we discuss The Walking Dead. Um, I thought perhaps today, uh, Taya, we could start by talking about how we got into The Walking Dead. So do you want to begin with that? Yes, actually, one of our listeners had asked me if we would talk about that. Listeners? (laughs) Oh, that sounds so exciting. <laughs> I know, right? We have at yeah. least one. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, they said that we should talk a little bit about that because that we both seem very knowledgeable about The Walking Dead, which we are. Been yep. living and breathing the show for 10 years now. And for me, the comic even longer. Yep. So, so yeah, we'll talk about that a little. Okay. I've always been a zombie girl. Ever since I was a little child, probably five, six years old, my brother would watch the black and white scary movies. And I remember there was this one called I Walked with a Zombie or I Married a Zombie, something, something they were getting with a zombie. And I watched (laughs) it and I was just fascinated by these, not really reanimated, I don't even know what the woman he married was what kind of a she wasn't eating anything she wasn't eating any (laughs) brains or you know not a Romero zombie or anything like that but it was really fantastic and I was hooked but I always watch those black and white movies with him and when I was a teenager of course Romero started hitting us with all the zombie stuff and I loved it because I just loved horror and gore and I was really into that and Then Kirkman came along with a Walking Dead comic, and I started reading that the day that it was available, and I was hooked and just over the moon when I heard that they were going to make it into a series. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've just been with it from day one and, you know, just reading up on it. And when I heard that they capped the Love Actually guy to be Rick Rhymes, (laughs) I can't tell you the disappointment that I felt in my heart I was like oh disappointed yes because he's not who I would have you know imagined to be Rick Rhymes. and I was like the love actually because all I know is him holding up cards and that and I know love actually is a thing that people <laughs> love is a thing that this person hates I don't like that movie and <laughs> you know just the cue cards and loving Kieran Knightley and all that stuff that he did so Halloween night when the first episode aired, I settled in to watch it. And I'm telling you, as soon as he was little girl, little girl, <laughs> I'm, that's Rick Rhymes. And he won yeah. me over immediately. That was an amazing episode. And here I am today. Mm-hmm. That's 10 seasons in. <laughs> and still going. Yes. And I'll stick with it. I'm in it until the wheels fall off. I don't care what happens. (laughs) Wow. 
That's that's a cool story. So I'm kind of the opposite. Um, I always was a Halloween girl. Favorite holiday to this day. As a matter of fact, I have lived and currently work in Salem, Massachusetts, the Halloween center of the world. And um, I am the Halloween queen. So I love anything that is horror and suspense and gore. And I'm also an English teacher. So um, I like to bring a lot of that into my class, teaching Edgar Allan Poe, Lovecraft, and things like that. Um, I would teach um, courses such as stories of suspense and sci-fi fantasy. And, um, you know, my classes were actually pretty popular. So when I heard that there was this new TV series, The Walking Dead, coming out, and it was about zombies, and zombies were always the one Halloween creature that terrified the living bejeebas out of me. I was always terrified by the idea of zombies. So I was pretty interested in, um, in this show. Now, it premiered, as you said, on Halloween, um, but I had a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. I had to take trick-or-treating. I was pretty heavily pregnant with my second child at the time, so I didn't see it the day it premiered. I actually watched it the next day on demand, and it took me three times to get through it because I kept getting interrupted, but... I was so into it the very minute Rick killed zombie girl. And um, I said, whoa, I said, this is going to be a a great series. But I knew nothing of the graphic novel. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know at first that it came from a graphic novels. So one of my students in class was reading the graphic novel and I said, oh, my God, I said, I just started watching that series. And he explained to me that this is the source material from it. And that's when I started reading the comic book. So I actually entered it from a different end than you did is I got into The Walking Dead through the TV series first. Now, I do also have to say that I absolutely fell in love with Daryl Dixon the moment he entered the screen in the episode um, Tell It to the Frogs. I did, I don't know if it's the bad boy. I don't know if it's the arms. I'm lying. It probably was the arm porn. It wasn't the, uh, the squirrels at Rick? Um, you know what? He had me even before that. <laughs> Literally, from the first line, I was just, I was so taken by him. He was just magnetic on the screen. But I have to say the episode that really got me hooked, that I said there is no way I am ever giving up on this series, was when Sophia came out of the barn. That episode, it it just got me. It got me in the feels. I wasn't into spoilers back then. I didn't know anything about spoilers and it caught me completely by surprise. I didn't see it coming. I knew she survived in the comic book, but it just got me. And uh, from that moment on, I said, this is it. I'm in this for, for the long run. And uh, like you, I'm, I'm in it till the, till the wheels fall off. 
you know, it's uh, it is my show. I'm known for it um, in my in my school. My students know me as the Walking Dead girl. <laughs> um, I have used episodes in class to go over foreshadowing and um, nonlinear um, narration and all sorts of different things. And it's it, it hooks the kids in as well. You know, so uh, that's how I got into it. So, you know, um, I'm the I'm the spoiler queen. So I, you know, because people <laughs> well, even before there were a lot of spoiler groups and things, people that knew I read the comic. Do you know what's going to happen? Do you know what? Does so and so die? Does this person die? And I said, you know, they're kind of going away from the comic, and I can tell you what happens in the comic, but I can't guarantee that's you know what's going to happen in the show. So, yeah. Um, Oh, I wanted to add, since you had mentioned being hooked on Daryl as soon as he came on the <laughs> scene, when I met Norman, it was mm. September. So before, jealous. <laughs> be jealous. It was a September before that Walking Dead started in October. And Daryl, as you know, and you know, maybe everyone doesn't know, is not in the comic. Mm. So I met him. He's super sweet, very shy. We were both blushing like idiots. And I said to him, do you feel more comfortable or less comfortable that your character is not in the Walking Dead comic? And he looked at me and he said, he's not in the comic? (laughs) And we both laughed. He knew he wasn't in the comic. He was teasing me because I think he was even surprised that I knew that he was in it because I went, to the con that I went to to take my stepdaughter to see the Boondock Saints anniversary thing mm-hmm. that they were doing there and to meet him and Sean Patrick Flannery. And so I think he was surprised that I even knew, but it was it was just so adorable the way he said it. He goes, I'm <laughs> not in the comic. <laughs> Super cute. He yeah. was the sweetest yeah. person. And I'm like, you know, I was just blown away by him being Daryl who you know, does have a good heart and a beautiful soul, but initially such a contrast to how Norman is. So, mm-hmm. but he's killing it. Well, well, I'm sure you know, and, you know, maybe some of the listeners know or don't know that um, Norman Reed has tried out for the part of Merle initially, mm-hmm. who also is not in the comic. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't get the part of Merle, obviously, but they liked his portrayal so well that they decided to create another character, Merle's little brother, just for him. And um, there was a talk of him being racist like his brother. And um, Norman Reedus was the one that said, no, 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 he's, he's going in a different direction. And they were also going to have him do drugs after Sophia mm-hmm. came out of the barn and Norman approached him and he's like, no, I don't, you know, I don't think Daryl would do that. Can I not do that? And I said, um, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I just went with yeah. it. I really love that he influences how that Daryl has evolved because I think he's a right. wonderful character. And love Daryl or hate Daryl, Norman Reedus is an amazing person. You can't not yeah. love that guy, especially if you watch a ride. Oh, yeah. he's um, He's someone who truly enjoys life and the success that the walking dead has brought him he's he's completely um he's he's just so into it and that that's really nice to see yep Yep. 
so excellent. Let's go on to. Um, so Taylor and I were discussing uh, <laughs> the week that we've had, <laughs> the week that we've all had in solidarity here <laughs> as part of the uh, coronavirus pandemic that has unfolded in front of our eyes in just a week. Uh, I can't believe it's been <laughs> just a week since this all started. And um, we were discussing earlier that this felt very much like an episode of The Walking Dead. That shit crazy out there. It's, it's insane. So we wanted to touch upon that a little bit. Now, once again, I, I, I am a teacher. And on Thursday, that's when everything hit the fan. And we started getting the word that they were going to start closing our schools down. I'm in Massachusetts, and uh, our schools are closed by order of the governor uh, until April 6th. But it all started um, March 12th, Thursday, and it really started to feel like it was the end of the world. And this is not to panic anyone. We will get through this, of course. I think we all know that. We just have to hunker down. But there was a very ominous feeling out there. And when my school closed down, we went into uh, one of the stores to get some supplies. And it was like a Walking Dead episode unfolding in front of us where people were just gathering up supplies People were talking about everything. Some people believed it. Some people didn't believe it. And you could see the reality of a television show that we've been following for 10 years unfolding in front of us. What are your thoughts on that, uh, Taya? I, th- I think it's crazy the amount of toilet, pe- the toilet paper <laughs> people are buying because... That's not what Alpha did without it. That's not what coronavirus is about. It's a cold. I don't. I don't understand the correlation with toilet paper, unless they're just getting it to feel better because they think that, you know, hoarding supplies. If, you know, everything gets worse and worse, they're never coming. Are they never coming out of their homes? I mean, they have enough toilet paper <laughs> where they could be home now for two, three years, and you know, I just. I think it's crazy. I think people need to calm down and listen only Mm -hmm. to the CDC. I don't Mm -hmm. think that our government is completely uh, responding appropriately at all levels. And I don't know if people are getting the correct information from the media because there's so many different Perspectives. Bits and pieces of information that are coming together and contradicting other information. So I'm only listening to the CDC about it. I know personally in my state, there's been 32 cases of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking about how many people are in my state, that's not a lot. To me, it's not enough to buy every scrap of toilet paper that I see. (laughs) And to completely close myself off from the world and, you know, ball up in the fetal position and cry. We're going to get through this. You know, they're, they're working mm-hmm. on a vaccine. They're isolating the cases of it. 
I really think it's going to be okay. So I just hope that people calm down. People are aware of that. Yeah. But it is very interesting to say. Now, I used to joke with my, still joke with my students um, that if, you know, the apocalypse, zombie apocalypse ever did hit, I was the queen and I would, I would get them all to safety. I had a plan for them. I said, we're hiding out in Costco, guys. You don't want to go there now because Costco doesn't have any toilet paper. Well, you know, now I see that there's a flaw in my plan. And I would have to readjust. But uh, it's really... If that happens, we can stab a bitch in the head. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I don't think we're going to have any toilet paper. And and Alpha has shown us who needs it. You know, yeah. and I, I've got to love the uh, Walking Dead memes <laughs> out there now. Um, <laughs> there's one with, um, you know, Rick and um, Daryl hoarding toilet paper. And there's another one with um, Carol and Daryl hoarding burning. toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> and Carol burning the bodies of David and, and um, do that. Aaron yeah. <laughs> and saying I heard someone had a cough. <laughs> yeah, and she would totally do that. Oh, I want to add, I don't. <laughs> I don't want it to seem like I'm being too critical of our government or placing blame, but they are also getting some conflicting information, I feel. And, you know, mm-hmm. again, I can only stress this. Well, I can't stress this enough. Listen to the CDC. That's, <laughs> that's who you got to listen to because, you know, people get panicky. The one, the one that blew up in, <laughs> yeah. you know, the season finale of The there's, Walking there's Dead. not right. really an Edwin Jenner one. there. And, you know, yeah. I feel like these people have their pulse on what's going on. And, you know, it's already been um, dropping, you know, in, in new cases in China where it originated. So I feel mm-hmm. like from there, it can only get better in the other parts of the world, too. Again, according to the CDC, I'm not making this up. <laughs> so listen to the CDC. And, and, you know, plan accordingly. Please stop buying all the toilet paper. It's not going to help you. It's not. Um, yeah, but it, it does. Um, it does feel very, very similar to uh, even the um, conflicting information. That's a theme throughout a lot of post-apocalyptic um, films and uh, TV series that there's always conflicting information. So it's um, it was just a very interesting uh parallel and here i am just sitting to make some you know sitting here waiting to make some walker pets and (laughs) oh we'll be getting into the walker pets (laughs) yeah i want some walker pets in our spoiler section i'm gonna say i'm taking your toilet paper these are my pets (laughs) and we're we're taking it (laughs) next we are going to revisit some um, of our discussion from last week. Um, Taya, you want to start yes, us off? Yes, we were talking about Stephanie and the actress that is providing her voice. And her name had escaped mm-hmm. to me at the time. It's Margot Bingham. And it seems that she will also be playing Stephanie in the flesh. So Google her. Yeah. Uh, she is you know, beautiful. Uh, I you know, stalked her a little as I do. And I think she, I think she's a very good choice and I'm interested to see how her and Josh play and have chemistry once that they meet in person. Excellent. And, um, 
you also have some very scientific information. <laughs> I've got the tree testicles, and I'm super, super excited about this. Um, <laughs> tree testicles, the sap that they put in them, uh, will indeed burn. Turpentine is actually made from distilled pine resin. <laughs> who so, knew? You know who knew? My data and alpha. Yes, they knew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they knew so they must have done this before like i said and you know uh lydia looked a little surprised that she was getting splashed with whatever you know because she didn't know what it was but i don't understand they sh had to have done this before because they did it so proficiently but anyway yes turpentine is made from distilled pine resin so it will indeed burn so that was scientifically sound way to go angela kang Walking dead. <laughs> I'm impressed. Very good. That that is that is pretty good. And um, you know, we'll put that in our repertoire yeah. for uh <laughs> for the next time we have to fight whispers. Uh <laughs> and uh then the final thing that I wanted to revisit from last week, which I can't believe that I forgot to mention because I hate it so much. Luke wearing that blazer all the time. Why? <laughs> why i hate that stupid blazer and he wears it all the time i'm sure it gets warm sometimes luke put on a t-shirt buddy you know if you want to keep your arms protected wear a long sleeve shirt something take off that blazer and when they had jewel like in the first part of uh season 10 actually compliment mm -hmm. him on that stupid blazer what is she's really attracted to that you know, you don't want a girl that's attracted to that blazer. Take it off. Take it off. <laughs> All right. We we will be dubbing him blazer, blazer boy, boy from from hence. Yes. <laughs> I can't take it. That is awful. I, I've like honestly just been wishing a little evil on him. No offense to the actor, but just I can't take that blazer. At least maybe if a walker bites it, he'll have to take it off instead of getting it repaired. I don't know. It's got to go. <laughs> uh, my my pet peeve is the darkness of the episode. Yours is Luke's, Luke's blazer. blazer. That's, That's... going to be my pet peeve. That's, I mean, yeah. we've had some rough things happen on this show. And to me, that's that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing that has ever happened. Is <laughs> <laughs> Luke's blazer. <laughs> uh, and uh, we're going to start our discussion Yay. now. Of uh, yay, of uh, <laughs> Walk With Us, the 12th episode in the 10th season of The Walking Dead. And uh, wow, 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 what an episode! So good. Um, oh my god. I, I, let, let me just say to begin with that that plan of theirs to create a Walker wall, I thought was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> just just keep killing them and build up the bodies. I was like, yeah, that is that is cool. Absolutely. Who knew a wall would work to keep things out? Yeah. <laughs> it was um that that whole opening sequence. I I'm watching it. I'm really into it. And uh then when the opening sequence, the cold open stopped, I just said wow that was only like the first sequence 
it was uh, so full of action. So much went on in it. And of course, the big reveal that ended it, what, you know, um, Magna being alive and traveling among That's the waters. Uh, it was it was just it was a great way to open up the episode very full of action in the first few minutes and a lot of really great character moments throughout the entire episode that we'll be uh getting into you know um taya which would you like to start with i know you had quite a few things to say about this episode in particular i know you were yeah um, talking about beta i'm just so excited and... and giddy about almost the whole thing this was such a great episode <laughs> it was like everything that i could want i'm so excited about it and i will uh since we were talking about the beginning of it and how you know they had to get out of there i finally i love that they learned their lesson from the when the prison fell and they had a rendezvous point mm-hmm. That, that was so important to me. I said, oh, my God, finally, they have a rendezvous. Because I kept thinking, somebody's going to scoop up these kids and run off into the woods. And then what? But they had a rendezvous point. And that really impressed me that Angela Kang thought of it and they had a plan. I can remember when the, phys- when the prison did fall, that was one of the... Um, one of the criticisms I heard about the episode was what these people didn't have a plan. <laughs> they were so efficient with everything else, but they did not have a place to rendezvous should something happen. I heard them. that complaint so, from you know, me lesson... because I had had enough. <laughs> Let you know, lesson learned. Good for them. Everybody get know? in the bus and then go where? Where? <laughs> uh, the bus took off well where's it going uh, oh, I don't know I guess they're just going to drive into the forest and die which is exactly what they did <laughs> which is exactly what Except happened to Glenn because he had enough sense to get the hell off the bus yeah, yeah that really bothered a lot of people yeah. myself included yeah good. yeah um, well since we're on that opening um, sequence there was uh Poor Judith. Judith with her first yeah, human kill. Oh, my heart. Yeah. Um, she went yeah, through a lot this really episode. Did. And, and uh, that face, and I was so glad that Ezekiel was able to pull her away so quickly because she was just frozen. And, you know, yeah. I think she would have been doomed if she would have just continued to stand there and think about what she did. You know, poor little thing. It's... It, Something I hadn't really considered before, where Judith had grown up in this new world. You know, and she had killed so many walkers, and she did make a point of saying to Daryl in the episode before, you know, no big thing, I've killed a lot of walkers. You know, when Daryl had said to her, you know, we're sorry, I'm sorry you had to see those bodies. And she's like, ah, they're just walkers, I've killed a lot of them. Yeah, but he's like, no, those weren't just walkers because she knew them. Right, right. But she's kind of brushing it off. But you did see that little, that little chink yep. in her armor, you know, and um, they were able to really, you know, bring that out with uh, having her have her first human kill. And um, then, of course, her having yeah, to put her I, down. I think that that, that was, was kind uh, of like a, um, you know, when 
the people that she knew were hanging from trees that Daryl put down that kind of like foreshadowed what was coming with her actually having to put down somebody that she knew was a walker and not having Daryl to do that for her. You know, and she was able to do that mm-hmm. with Earl, but just, you know, more trauma and, you know, daddy, uncle Daryl coming in to comfort her and everything. But, but. And that was a, that was a great moment too, where he just, just sits there with her. Yeah. Just a very touching moment. He's, he's really become uh, Mr. Mom over you know, the last season where he's really taken a lot of the, the children under, under his wing. You know, talk about a growth of a character. But um, poor Judith, she's going to need some major you therapy know, after this episode. Me and her both because, you know, I, I need Daryl to come over and comfort me too because I'm very traumatized <laughs> by that whole thing. <laughs> And whole episode, yeah, yep. On her, so I'd like to uh, like to see where if it has any long-lasting effects on her. I'm interested to see. And Beta, huh? What about Beta? I I know that you've been waiting <laughs> for the line <laughs> when Negan <laughs> called him Frowny McTunes. <laughs> you were giddy. <laughs> I'm telling you, I leaped to my feet and clapped. Because I've been waiting for that so much. Because as you know, in the comic, Negan was all about, you know, those little nicknames and baiting Beta all the time. You know, because he was mm-hmm. kind of flirty with Alpha and kind of, you know, nasty to Beta. Mm-hmm. And Beta was just always seething about Negan. He was just wanting so much to kill him. And Alpha wouldn't allow it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we've seen some of that in the show too but i think it's even more extreme because negan and alpha are having sex which they did not do in the comic and uh i think that's just has to be driving beta crazy it hasn't shown that he actually knows but he's got to know and you know he just hates me yeah i i got this definite sense that there was a little jealousy there too with beta yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, I, I think that played out more so in the comic because he just seemed like he, w- he was not as jealous as he was worried that Negan was taking his place. And mm-hmm. I- well, there's two, there's two dynamics there. I wonder... If there's a romantic interest where they're so bonded, but also there's the idea that he is Beta. He is her number one man, second in command. And could Negan be taking his place both romantically and, you know, in her herd? And I... Yeah, I do. What are your thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I had a little cough. Um, yeah, and, that's okay. you know, I, I do think that that's the way that it is. I don't think, actually, that Beta wants anyone near Alpha. I, I think, I think yes. he is yeah. deeply in love with her. I don't think it's just respect of her being the Alpha and, that's, know, yeah, that's and the scooping sense I him up to be her Beta and everything. Um I think that he is in love with her and he doesn't want 
anyone around her. He does not want to share her because we even saw that a little bit with Gamma once that she was able to have a Greek name, you know, <laughs> the, the Alpha mm-hmm. Beta Data Club or whatever. And he didn't like yeah. that. He didn't like that she, because, you know, none of the whispers use their names really, and none of them really have names unless they, they get up to that higher pecking order, as we've seen with Gamma. And I right. think that he hates only yeah. the special ones get the Greek names. He name. hates that, <laughs> that anyone is close to Alpha. You know, it, it, it's not just Negan, yeah. it would be anyone that steps on his toes. Yeah, that was, um, I, I found that really um, very well played uh, by Beta. The whole, um, the looks he was giving Negan and um, the, the facing off. <laughs> I just found, I, I, it's just great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I really do. It's, yes, I thought of you when... Uh, <laughs> my little fangirl heart was just freaking out i just i really loved it and um (laughs) do you want to do you want to just keep on going with anything beta in this episode because i would really like to to yeah (laughs) sure i let's get into the the whole thing with him being recognized that was a spectacular in the way that as soon as that poor whisper, you could even see through the mask. He was <laughs> having so many emotions. I think he was confused, starstruck, afraid, and <laughs> everything else at once. Because immediately <laughs> when he said, I thought I recognized the voice, it's you. And then immediately you could see him like, crap, crap, what did I just do? <laughs> because obviously, Beta's yes. never removed his mask except to Alpha. And he doesn't want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we know, he's a country, famous country music singer, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hating a little. In the comic, he was a basketball player to me with his size that, you know. Well, he gives me the uh, impression of like a Toby Keith. Yeah. The real, you know, big, burly deep throat you know um singer a country singer you know he reminds me of a toby keith but there is a a interesting easter egg well actually actually too if you any fear watchers out there when daniel had cds and they were knocked over there is a cd and it's obviously ryan hearse his face and beta Yes, yeah, in Fear the Walking Dead. And that was a little Easter egg yeah. in fear and a clue as to Beta's identity. Even more so in Walking Dead mm-hmm. in episode five this season, Magna was listening to an album on a, in a stereo turntable or whatever. And the song that she was listening to was actually an Emily Kinney song. And Ryan Hurst was the one singing it. So, cast out of the bag, Beta's a country yeah. singer. And uh, that mm-hmm. is that is a neat little little Easter egg. Yeah. And the name of the song the was The Turtle right? and the Monkey. And it's on Emily Kinney's newest album. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
And Emily Kinney, for those of you who may not remember, she, of course, played Beth, who also liked to yeah, sing you a know lot. What? <laughs> I love that. I loved Beth singing, and I'm not ashamed to say that I did. And then people, some people complained about yeah. it. But, you know, I would be the Beth of the ZA because I sing all the time. It might not be good. I don't care. Yeah. It keeps me happy. And I would be the Beth of the ZA. So, you know, any of you guys want to be my ZA partners, you're down for some song. I'm your girl. You know, it's it's just kind of occurring to me how many um, singers and musicians there are in this apocalypse. Uh, you have Alden, um, you know, with a, a musical inclination. You've got uh, Luke, uh, who's a musician. You've got um, Beta, who is a country singer. Formerly, you have Beth. I mean, you get them together, yeah. you could have a heck of a band. A little, a little zombie <laughs> apocalypse band. That would be cute. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Speaking of um, Alden, that's a good transition. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about him with his um, his scene you know with Mary. I don't Mary. like that little weasel because I don't. He's got a lot of nerve coming down on Mary because he was a savior. You know, oh, so yeah. where does he get off criticizing her yeah. for being with the enemy? Yes, they left the baby out there, but her sister is the one that left the baby. It wasn't her, and that's because the whispers are so brainwashed and everything. But, you know, the saviors, yeah. So and, with the saviors. The saviors weren't exactly choir boys. They were taking Polaroids of victims after their brains had been bashed in and taking half of everybody's stuff. So really, Alden, where do you get off? I was happy he did come around and let her hold Adam. I was glad that that happened before that she died. And I was glad to see that he was visibly upset when she ran off and had the uh, walkers chase her in order to draw them away from the baby and Kelly and Alden. You know, I, I, I thought that was good. And I was like, yeah, I, I hate him a little less. I thought that was also a great moment for Kelly, too, um, in that scene where he's the one who really tried to, you know, bring Mary into the fold and, you know, was trying to encouraging Alden to let Mary have the baby and then, you know, asking Mary questions about her sister and stuff like that. I thought it was a really um, very yeah, nice I moment really for Kelly, Kelly as well. She's, uh, but, you know, a lot like yeah. Connie in the sense that she just tries to be very kind. You know, even when yeah. shit's falling apart around them, they try to be kind. And, you know, I, I love that about them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that interaction was really more about Alden and, and, when and Mary. And Mary really sacrificing herself for her yes. nephew. As she wasn't able to do, obviously, and that had haunted her and her coming to terms with what she had done to her sister, exactly. Frances. And, you know, <laughs> back to Alden again, as lovely as it was to see him come around mm -hmm. and let her hold the baby and then be affected by her sacrificing herself 
and I was starting to like him a little bit. And then just as quickly as he turned it around, he screwed it back up again. Why in the hell (laughs) did he put Gamma down (laughs) before he shot Beta? Yeah, (laughs) definitely, um, definitely a misstep there. Um, I looked at it more just that his mercy for Mary outweighed his need well, to kill Beta. That that was his focus. Because huh? she had already I, died, it, <laughs> she already reanimated. If he took mm-hmm. Beta down and she started eating on him before that Alden got to put her down, that's a bonus. You know, especially if he just yep. injured Beta. Right. And she started chewing on him while he was still alive. Mm-hmm. You know how awesome that oh, would have been. That yeah. would have been a much I mean, better she plan. Yeah, mask a little bit, and he, uh, you know, he was really mad about that. Mm-hmm. She had a terrible, ah, uh, just her. That hurt me the way that he stabbed her and like, uh, ooh, oh, just like yeah. Rick did to that uh, guy I, to try to rape Carl. Oh God. Yeah. Except no, Mary certainly didn't no. deserve it. <laughs> But there definitely is that parallel there. And um, then when he says, you know, you, you will walk with us. Uh, I, I just, I really liked Mary as a, as a character. I thought there was a real evolution to her, how she started to shake off the brainwashing. And uh, by the way, for those people who don't know, um, the actress that plays Mary, um, was in the movie Hocus Pocus. She played, um, oh my God, the, the girl's character is escaping me, but the young girl um, in Hocus Pocus. Once again, we're, (laughs) you've never seen Hocus Pocus. Oh my God. Working in Salem, believe me, it is, (laughs) it is almost mandatory. And when the tourists come in, they always want to see Hocus, the Hocus Pocus houses. Um, He, <laughs> she played Max's sister. Um, is it Sarah? I think her name might have been. I don't know. It's escaping me now. But it's it definitely Max's little sister. That is um, that is the same girl who played Mary. American Beauty. Yeah. American Beauty too. Yep. That movie. So yep. Shout out to Thora Birch. Did a great yep. job as Gamma Mary because. You know, she was completely yeah. redeemed in the end, and I do love when that happens. Yeah, yeah, it was a real. It was too short of a story arc. I would have liked very to good seen her live because her. now Adam yeah. has lost. You know, his mom, his his aunt, and his adoptive mm-hmm. parents too. Both of them. So, just give all the babies to Aaron, like I said before. You know, Grace is a little <laughs> older now. He yeah. is a new baby. Let's just give him Adam too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll we'll just uh, we'll let him and Daryl uh, just raise all the children. Daddy <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Right. Um, so the next thing we need to talk about is uh, <laughs> Carol. <laughs> favorite topic lately. You know. Well. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I don't mind talking to, to talking about her so much in this instance because she got punched in the mouth. And I'm telling you. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, someone should have punched her two you episodes know, I ago. I think Magna That's... <laughs> was about to in the cave, but Daryl was there. But, you know, Mika wasn't messing around <laughs> and decked her. And yeah. I think that it was good that Carol didn't fight back because she knew she had no, a she just, you know, love Carol. Katie, right, you have right. To agree. Oh, Although I was really getting angry with her when she said, um, when she said, uh, yeah, what, what good is apologizing going to be? But the way she said it was, I don't know, there was such an edge to it. You know, someone who is truly, truly sorry isn't going to have that sort of edge in her voice. And I, I struggle with how sorry Carol is. I think Carol is more sorry that Connie is lost and that she hurt Daryl than she is for any of the um, collateral damage that's accumulating from her need for revenge on Alpha. You felt a little bit like she wanted to be punched? Mm, Yeah, that's interesting. That's like she felt that could she, be a way to look at it. Especially in light of what that happened a little later when she was sitting there with Eugene in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Oh, yeah. That was, uh, that was a great moment between her and Eugene where actually I think she provided more support for Eugene than Eugene provided for her. Because Eugene was so shook about not being able to, possibly not being able to meet up with Stephanie. And Carol was the one that said, well, go ahead, just do it. But what really got me in the scene is another little Easter egg now for those of you who are are not comic readers. Carol does not make it this far in the comic book. She is um, dead by the prison. She commits suicide by Walker, where she just allows a Walker to kill her. But in the creepiest way. I just just that a little in like yes, what she much did. creepier it way, yeah. A child walker, and she actually embraced it and said, mm-hmm. "Oh, you really do love me," mm-hmm. or something like that, or "You love me." Oh, no, that was Sally Field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she does say, "You know, you love me." You know, and she just let it start munching on yeah. her. So that that was really insane. Right. Yeah. But the, the Carol Another. in the comic book is completely yeah. bat, batshit crazy. Yeah. Um, but there is a little nod to it here where, you know, she's watching the walker. She's sitting on the um, the log and she's watching the walker come out of the out of the ground, really. And for a moment, you say to yourself, gee, is she going to let this walker yeah, I mean, it's bite like her? Look that way. And then she just. Yeah, and then, you know, she, you know, stabs it in the head the last minute. But, you know, that's that's a little Easter egg to her, her comic book death. And um, maybe a little foreshadowing of what's to come. You know, if she ends up surviving the uh, the yep. season, we'll see. But uh, I, I thought that was just a very interesting um, so too. And what do moment. You think, what do you think pulled her back, really? The thought of not seeing Alpha taken out yet or wanting to, you know, still wanting her revenge. Do you think that that's what pulled her back from going through with it? 
Yeah, I, yeah, I think she really, um, I think she is completely driven by just two things. One is her need for revenge on Alpha. And two is the fact that she hurt Daryl so much. And I got the sense during that scene that she was trying to get away from them, trying to get away from the group because she had a rendezvous set up with Negan. But she wasn't quite sure how to break away from it. You know, and um, I think that if I remember correctly, there's even a moment where she walks away and um, someone pulls her back and says, where are you going? And she says, oh, uh, you know, I, I just want to, you know, get to the rendezvous before dark. Well, she wasn't going to the rendezvous. We know now that she was going to meet Negan. So I think those are her only two motivators right now. And, um, of course, one of those motivators is gone because, as we know in this episode, Carol gets her revenge. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I yeah. Have <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that would be a pretty good transition. Let's let's get to that. Let's get to um, the whole Negan, Alpha, and uh, Carol situation there um but you know let's start with with negan and alpha you know um i really loved that he talked to her about lucille because you could see how much that that still haunts and hurts negan and i really wish that they Mm -hmm. would do even even if they make it a webisode, I really miss the webisodes. By the way, if, you know, if people haven't seen those, oh yeah, they're really fantastic. You know the the earlier ones that they mm-hmm. did, and yeah. you know they did do some with uh stuck into Fear the Walking Dead. They do a minute of it every every week or whatever. Even if they do a webisode of mm-hmm. Here's Negan, I would really love to see that because and for people they've kind yeah. of. He hasn't really alluded to what a shitty husband he was. He has, you know, said when he was mm. talking to Gabriel about it that, um, you know, kind of that he wasn't worthy of her and stuff like that. So I don't know how much of that comic element they would bring mm. into the show about his relationship with Lucille, but he was cheating on her. When he found out she mm. had cancer, he was actually in the middle of sex with his mistress and said, Hey man, my wife has cancer. And his mistress was like, get off me. (laughs) Why are you telling me this in the middle of sex with me? And you know, he had, he had that guilt because, you know, apparently she was a good woman, but you know, was cheating on her and all. And then she Mm -hmm. went in the hospital and he didn't know that the zombie apocalypse was starting because he was in the hospital. He thought she was still breathing, but she mm-hmm. had died and become a walker. And he got the hell out of that room, and he never went back. He sent a kid in to put her down. Mm-hmm. So, in hearing him speak to Alpha about Lucille, I mean, I know where that. Oh, you know, a lot of viewers do know where that heartbreak is coming from. The- Just failing as a husband. Right, like he did, really not being there for her, not being able to put her down because he didn't even know about that. The kid's like, "Hey, you know, you gotta, 
stab her in the head. <laughs> Stop walking around like eating people. <laughs> and he, he just couldn't do it. And he never saw her again. So when he was explaining that to Alpha, that was really yeah. just heartfelt. And it really almost seemed like he was getting to Alpha. You know? Yes. Yeah. Well, I thought just, uh, I mean, Jeffrey just did an amazing job in that. He he had my, you know, he had my sympathy. He had my heart. That whole, any scene that Negan was in during this episode for me was... <laughs> one of the best scenes you know when he's you know kind of yeah. having fun with the walker you know uh <laughs> just is kind of teasing it and his irritation it. at it you know him um oh yeah him um you know um picking on beta a little bit uh, you know and <laughs> and then his opening up i really felt that alpha was yeah, it was it was really even if you don't know all the backstory, it it was really he says he just couldn't feel anything for a while, you know? And that that guilt came through even if you didn't know the whole It did, and I background. was just thinking that even if I hadn't and, if, if I just knew the Negan from the show and, you know, just the terrible thing that he did and, you know, just hated him for those things and all the way that uh, JDM did that, just so heartfelt. It it, just, it really, I just felt felt that in my heart. I felt such sympathy for him and everything. And you could also tell that he was trying to get her to say, "I'm not going to kill my daughter. I love her, and I'm going to feel mm-hmm. this horrible loss like you feel." If I, but you know, and then ultimately she didn't. And I think, yeah, that just really gutted him. No, no pun intended. Yeah, always gutting people. Wanting yes, intended, <laughs> but you know I do. And yeah. then when he walked her to the cabin and the you know whole two cabin thing that he had actually kidnapped Lydia to save her, save her from her mother, and tied her to a chair right. so she wouldn't get up and get out of there and run into her or bait or anything and then just the way that he put alpha down and kissed her and when i first found out the spoiler about that i was grossed out and i thought why in the world <laughs> would he kiss this horrible you know woman who's done so much damage to people and then you know i started thinking about it and i had the epiphany he did not get to comfort Lucille as she was dying. So he comforted Alpha mm-hmm. as like a surrogate Lucille. Yeah. And it was- yeah. I saw that there was a very odd tenderness to that scene. Yeah. I, odd because he just killed her. And he knew it had to be done and she had done such horrible things. I did wonder if there was a part of him that he, he mentions that his wife was... And it, this this was just the moment that really got to me. Anyone who has had ever had a loved one who has had cancer, was suffering from cancer, any disease. You know, he mentions that she was, his wife was so beautiful, even when mm-hmm. she lost her hair and went bald. And he looks right at the top of Alpha's head when he's 
saying that. And Alpha gives a little smile. And I do wonder if just the fact, and just the fact that Alpha's bald is that memory of his wife and a connection to his wife through her, even though she's done such terrible yeah, could things. Have been a, could have been a little bit of that, but uh, definitely maybe some sort of resemblance. But I think that that was his surrogate Lucille for all intents and purposes because he's so mm-hmm. riddled with guilt yeah. that he was not even, well, at least in the comic, I don't know about it, but he wasn't even aware when she passed away because she had already reanimated and he thought she was breathing, you know? So, um, yeah, you know, and, uh, I just got to say how beautiful did Samantha Morton look in those scenes? Her eyes just looked so blue and, you know, she didn't have that shit around she them. didn't have all that you know and her skin black yeah so black beautiful makeup. and you yeah. know her teeth looked beautiful i mean she was smiling before that yeah. you know he killed her and everything but she looked really really beautiful i i was really um happy that she you know i wasn't thinking about her not wiping and you know, <laughs> chopping off <laughs> I just and you know, wearing not wearing she the, lovely yeah, the, the way that skin. he yeah didn't just slit her throat and make her fall that he kind of just you know laid her down gently and you know I thought that was a really beautiful mm-hmm. scene and my future husband Greg Nicotero as you know directed it and that was just that was <laughs> phenomenal yeah. phenomenal that that whole scene really really was on so many different levels i was very impressed now of course i knew the spoilers i knew what was happening through you um but if i didn't i would have been completely convinced that negan was taking her to lydia the editing was fabulous going inside one cabin versus outside the other cabin and um the lighting was beautiful it was almost a very peaceful lighting which i thought was interesting too and it i i just felt the whole scene was so well done and um you know of course the the negan conversation with alpha and um the other point i wanted to to talk about was alpha said something that really struck me as she was talking about Negan's wife dying. And it was almost like Mm -hmm. she was comforting him over his memory. And she talked about the idea that death is freedom. And it's real insight into Alpha's mind and why she worships the guardians, i.e. the walkers, that to her, death is freedom. It is the ultimate freedom. It is freedom from hurt, freedom from pain. It is, in this world, it's life everlasting because unless someone puts you down, you are reanimated forever. And she mentions that, you know, Jeffrey's wife, you know, Lucille, was free from pain. And then she mentions that she's going to essentially do the same for her daughter 
And to her, it is a great gift to die and to become a guardian. So it's a very interesting way to look into her thoughts of why she is the alpha and why she lives among the dead. Because it, to her, it's not the dead, it's life. You know, we've kind of, kind of seen that theme throughout Walking Dead and also Fear, how that some people yes. can, can feel that, that it's just passing through when, you know, you become a walker. It's freedom mm-hmm. from your regular life, but then, you know, kind of a, a new life. Which, you know, I think is crazy, but <laughs> I can see how some people, yeah. how, especially how that she has brainwashed people that, I mean, she actually believes that, that they are guarding her, that yeah. it's just. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in many ways they are. She walks among them so, so easily. She, you know, she and her, you know, her whisperers can control them. And at the same time, they do protect her from getting eaten even though they're the ones that would be eating her it's such a strange dynamic but it does remind me of was it season two of fear the walking dead um oh i can't can't think of the character that was uh killed off not celia no the um oh Oh, boy from the first episodes I thought you meant the crazy yes, Mexican yeah. woman that was yes, convinced that those people were, ah, eh, they're just fine. Kind of like Herschel. Well, I was I was thinking more of the fact that Nick, like Alpha, walked among the dead. Well, he was, he was a drug addict. That is so, what he did. You know, <laughs> no offense to people who have, you know, drug issues, but, you know, that was kind of some of his, his uh, addictive type personality it's just he went from right one addiction to another i feel like he oh now i'm just gonna wear a walker blood all the time this is great (laughs) (laughs) but yes but yeah yes you're right celia did you know have a very similar view of the walkers loved because that's very much a Mexican culture thing, you know, because as you know, they had Dia de los Muertos, which is their day of the dead, which they are very respectful of death and the dead. And I, I thought that was kind of brilliant that, I mean, I know that Mm. fear isn't everyone's cup of tea, but it it has had some really, their (laughs) first showrunner, I thought hit it out of the ballpark with, some of those little attention to details and I like that it was set there in in Mexico and to see a different culture reacting to the dead reanimating worldwide event doing the communion wafers that (laughs) poisoned an entire (laughs) congregation and a priest calm down ladies but <laughs> but that was still I thought that was really really interesting and I like that and I like that Nick kind of adopted her attitude about it because he was just so susceptible mm-hmm. to wanting to 
be addicted to something else. Yeah, I really love the first right. few seasons of Fear. Yeah, it's, yeah. The the first two seasons of Fear the Walking Seeing Dead, the, I thought were, you know were fabulous. The zombie yeah. apocalypse evolve in that way, which we didn't get to see because Rick was in a coma on The Walking Dead. I thought it was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Right, which kind of brings us yeah. full full circle to our discussion about you know at the beginning of this uh, episode, you know about everything that's going around on around us now, a worldwide event that everyone is reacting to, you know, and um, see, look at the connections we're making here. We're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're so smart. Out, but I'm staying in my house with all my toilet paper. I'm not going out there. <laughs> oh, I do. We did. There was two, okay. two little things that uh, that we missed that I do want to um, bring attention to because I thought that they mm-hmm. did um, fabulous job. Uh, Nabila looking for mm-hmm. her kids. Oh, oh my goodness. yes. And I, you know what? And I knew they were okay. Oh my. You knew they were okay, and I'm still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Her children. Yeah. But uh, you could feel and, you her know, panic. especially as a mom. Yes. As soon as you know she's crying, holding, just yeah. holding Jerry, my big teddy bear Jerry, and just crying. And you know, I'm like, <laughs> I knew her kids were okay. Yeah. Why am I getting upset? <laughs> but because you know, and she did a beautiful job <laughs> because she just affected me so much, you know, doing that. And then when, of course, yeah. Daryl found them, and you know, Daryl and Jerry and. Ezekiel and Judith was so traumatized and you know just the whole thing with Earl and you know just bless that little man he was trying to go put a what's that a railroad <laughs> spike that's what it looked like to me you know trying yeah. to put a railroad spike through his own head so that nobody has to put him down and he doesn't eat those children and well he, misses- he was dying you know, and I think because it yeah. showed his point of view that it was kind of blurry and he was kind of swaying. You know, he tried his best. He waited too mm-hmm. long. He was just far, you know, far too weak. But, you know, he's mm-hmm. come a long way. He was, like we had mentioned before, he had been a heavy drinker and, you know, just mm-hmm. just evolved to a real team player and raising little Adam on his own. And then he's the one who got these kids he's the one that saved the kids that extra step to put himself down and even worrying about Mm -hmm. getting them to safety and said i would have been chewing my arm off if i had to (laughs) you know i couldn't cut it off i didn't have anything (laughs) to cut it off but he didn't think of himself he could have cut his arm off and lived but he wanted to get those kids out and he wanted to get them safe and you know he just did such a great job and yeah it it and his last moments with Judith, too, talking to Judith about how, how strong and how brave she is. And Judith tearing up and crying. And, oh, we're yeah. back to the Judith trauma yeah, again. All of them. <laughs> Nabila, Earl, Judith, just pulling on my heartstrings. It was such a great episode. It really was. Yeah, and it was, it was so well acted. Great character moments. Great character interaction. And you didn't have to decide do I want an action-filled episode or I do, or do I want one that builds character arcs? You got them both in this episode. Fantastic. Until, until, yes. 
<laughs> do you want to get to our rating of the episode? Because you know what I'm going to say. Let's get to the rating and then we can talk about the, uh, at the until, until with the uh, rating. <laughs> so um, I rated this episode a 9.5. I felt it was one of the best um, episodes. Everything that I would want from a Walking Dead episode. Almost perfect. Um who knows, looking back on it, I may even um, reconsider and end up giving it a 10. Um, but as I, you know, sit here right now, I'm, le- you know, leaving just that little room on the ceiling and giving it the 9.5. It was just um, major deaths, surprises, great character interaction, uh, an iconic comic book scene come to life. Um, with a little bit of a twist, but still, you know, just the way the comic intended it to be. And, um, you know, the big reveal at the end of, you know, who let the Negan out? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, almost, almost a perfect episode. So 9.5 for me, for me. Okay. And, you know, you know well, you know what's coming. <laughs> I, I know I it's coming. A 9.9 <laughs> because this was a solid episode for me in almost every aspect. I love the Franny McTwo knives, as you know, and I love those scenes with mm-hmm. Negan and everyone, but especially Alpha. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was just great until the very, very end. Until. until he rolled Alpha's head to Carol. And we know that mm-hmm. she's the one who let the Negan out. And I mm-hmm. do not like that. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. And this is why. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, to me, all the other things that she did, the getting trapped in the cave and the sweaty dynamite and just all the craziness, it makes even less sense now that we know She's the one with the inside man. Mm-hmm. She let Negan out. Why didn't yeah. she just sit back and chill and let him do his thing? Let the plan just unfold. If she yeah. didn't trust him to do that, why did she let him out in the first place? You know, I just, yeah. um, I, I was a little disappointed by that because I really wanted it to be Negan's own idea to, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess I'm a little bit of a comic snob there in some ways but Brandon let him out in the comic he killed Brandon we saw the Brandon substitute earlier mm-hmm. in the season you know that gave him the Lucille mm-hmm. 2.0 and you know but then he ended up putting himself back in jail and I just mm-hmm. feel like I would have liked to have seen Negan take the initiative and do that because in the comic his motivation was Rick I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Right. I'm gonna infiltrate the whispers. I'm not gonna have sex with Alpha after just not seeing her wipe and <laughs> into that <laughs> comic. I'm not gonna wear Walker skin. I'm gonna, you know, gain her trust, try to be flirty with her as much as possible and cut off his head, cut off her head, which is what he did. And <laughs> then uh, pr- he presented it to Rick. And I was kind of hoping it would go that <laughs> way and he would deliver it to Daryl or you know Michonne or whoever. Um, but the fact that Carol 
is the one who led him to do that. I was a little disappointed that it wasn't Negan's idea because that was a big part of his redemption. Even though in the comic, mm-hmm. people still weren't having it. You know, even though he did that, they're like, yeah, we still hate you. You know, <laughs> we still hate yeah. you. And, but thanks for the head. Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting to see in the upcoming episodes what um, everyone's reaction, not just to Negan killing Alpha, but also to the realization that Carol was really the one behind it. You know, how is Daryl going to react to this? I think, I, I think he's going to, yeah, I think he's going to see it as another betrayal yeah, from Carol too. that she let out his, you know, the guy who yeah. tortured him. And, you know, and, she, you know, jeopardized like people again because you don't know what Negan's right. going to do. Yeah, he came back before. Yeah, he saved Judith. But yeah, he also killed Abraham and Glenn. So, you know, that's, that's to me, for Daryl, never going to balance out, no matter what Negan does. Right. And right. I think he's going to be upset with Carol for doing that and for trusting. Yeah. Here's what I think is going to be. He trusts Negan over Daryl. Right. He trusts Negan yeah. over Ezekiel, you know, the two most important men in her life. Yeah. And... You know, I don't think that's going to go over at all. That's it's not going to go Aaron well. Aaron might forgive yeah. Negan a little. Um, that'll be interesting, I think he might possibly. Try to, yeah, you know, kind of back off of killing him because he keeps he keeps mm-hmm. trying to kill Negan, but then Negan saved his life, so he's like, "Oh man, now <laughs> can't kill him now." <laughs> and sees him out yeah. with his Whistler mask on. Oh, there's Negan. I'm going to kill him oh, now. I, here comes these walkers. <laughs> I gotta save damn Blazer Boy, and I can't kill him now. <laughs> so every time, <laughs> meanwhile he's he's dragging yeah Blazer Boy around on a, a piece of tin. <laughs> so every time he gets <laughs> a little sled. close to killing Negan, Negan does something that you know has Aaron having to back off for one reason or another. So <laughs> yeah, that that's an interesting <laughs> dynamic too. Was between um, Aaron and and Negan. Very interesting dynamic yes, there. I'm just interested <laughs> to see if uh, if Aaron's gonna find out that Negan is the one who cut off Alpha's head, and he's gonna be like, "Damn it, Aaron can't kill him again! <laughs> Stop it!" <Yeah. laughs> I just... And I'm sure we'll find out more in uh, your upcoming spoilers. Yeah. What's gonna happen there? When speaking of spoilers, speaking of spoilers, here we go. Exciting. Next week is Michonne Tastic, as you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I want to first talk about the the cold open. Yeah, which, yeah very uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and you've, you've watched it, the cold open. Yeah, I yes, yes. So when you first took, so uh, Taya first told me that um, Andrea is making an appearance in the cold open. So I figured it's a flashback. But then we actually got the video uh, clip of yeah, it. Yeah, and... it's pretty fantastic. It yeah. is a flashback, but isn't. It's, it shows the scene where Andrea's running and just before Michonne makes her first appearance and saves Andrea. So we see Andrea killing the walkers. You know, it's the same scene exactly as it happened. And then we see Michonne with her pets. And this time she does not save Andrea. Yeah, she walks away. Alternate, 
yeah. ending to what happened with Andrea. Not only does she walk away, we hear Andrea screaming and screaming and screaming. So the inference to me is Andrea has been eaten by walkers. And right. that, yeah, that blew my mind. That's, yeah, and uh, that's a uh, another Easter egg because uh, in the comic, as we discussed in our last episode, Andrea does get bitten. And she does die by Walker. She doesn't get eaten. (laughs) Yeah. She does not get eaten. Um, She does not run into Michonne the way that it happened in the TV series. But it's, I think it's definitely a little nod there to her, um, to her comic book death, which um, our spoilers indicate that uh, will play out by the end of the season, only not with Andrea. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, episode 16, A Certain Doom. And that was the episode yeah. in which, you know, we lost uh, Andrea, comic Andrea, who I love a lot. So it's coming to mm-hmm. someone. And Pamela and I are both hedging our bets that it's Carol. We think Carol, with all yeah. that's happened to her this season, it's inevitable. And yeah, her arc has yeah, to be playing out. maybe that was a little nod to it. Uh, like like you said, I think that that's a, a smart pickup that you know something's coming. So, but to to get back to the episode itself and the spoilers, Virgil mm-hmm. kind of turns out to be a complete tool. He lied to Michonne <laughs> to get her to his little island hideaway. His family is actually mm-hmm. all dead and reanimated. And he has brought Michonne in to put them down because seemingly he can't do it, which I can understand, but just tell the girl, hey, can you come back and help me take out my Walker family? Kind of, kind of going to extremes. He knows, he knows at the point that he meets her because Judith, you know, gives him a little, little cutty cutty when he's trying to, trying to (laughs) escape. He knows that she has children. He has seen them. And that is um, really risky for him to take her in like that unprepared, knowing that his family could eat her and he, she would be mm-hmm. abandoning her own children, which, you know, she's going to yeah. kind of end up doing anyway. But anyway, but not, you yeah, know, well, yeah. being eaten. so that's, a, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't have the full spoilers. I don't know how that completely pans out yet with with Virgil I do know she's slaying walkers like crazy in the clips that I've seen so apparently she does put his family down and I kind of hope she takes him out too but he certainly deserves it but anyway yeah yeah you'll be getting the spoilers on that (laughs) we'll know before Sunday that being said so why why does she leave her children behind michonne finds rick's boots Ah! (laughs) not the (laughs) The boots (laughs) the boots he has had ever since day one that he refuses to take sneakers rick i don't know anyway yeah sort of of like the blazer with you know you know my first (laughs) thought was well what's he wearing (laughs) <laughs> seeing him wear those boots forever and I thought what's he wearing on his feet slippers what's he, you know 
but she does. She not only yeah. finds Rick's boots, she finds, and I think this is odd, a cell phone that has a drawing of what is seemingly Judith and Michonne. Yeah. So I imagine like cell phone cameras, if oh. you could charge them, they could still work and somebody could take a picture yep. of it. Well, whoever whoever took Rick has a helicopter, so I imagine they can yeah. charge a cell phone. And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I still don't know why they left his boots behind. That's kind of odd to me. But at least we know. Anyway, so she, <laughs> she knows or she feels that Rick is alive because she has found these things. And there's no way that they could have gotten to where Virgil is without Rick being in them. You know, I would think. Who's going to just <laughs> take his boots? So... She does contact <laughs> Judith on the radio and mm-hmm. lets her know that her daddy might still be alive. Judith encourages her to go find out. So, well, after all that trauma, I think Judith yeah. needs some so, good news. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. Judith encourages her. This is how Michonne leaves the show. Leaves her children, mm-hmm. presumably with Uncle Daryl, and goes to find Rick, which it has not been officially announced, but I've been saying this for a year. Michonne is going to be in those Rick movies. Yes. It's got to be yep. where that's going. I can I can definitely yeah. see that yeah, so unfolding. So the yeah. setup is there. There's no, there's no way that it, it would be silly if it didn't happen. And I guess that they didn't want to, you know, been rumors about how Michonne's leaving the show and that, you know, she's going to be killed off. But I felt strongly that they have to reunite this family on the big screen or whatever. Right. So that's all the spoilers I have about that episode for now. Those are pretty yeah. big spoilers, though. <laughs> a lot of information and um, definitely an episode to uh, look forward to. Yeah, so uh, who knows? It might be another 9.9. Maybe. (laughs) After this one, though, they better find my girl Connie. (laughs) Yes, I, I, you know what? I was waiting for you to mention Connie. You, you know, I love Connie. Yeah, she's out there because she's out there somewhere. And, you know, that has to be so scary because you know, she's, she's deaf and she can't, Magna could not call for her. You know, Connie, where are you? She's just going to have to keep roaming with this horde until she runs into somebody she knows or gets to somewhere safe and Hilltop has burned down. Mm -hmm. So she's on her own. That's really scary to me. Yeah. It's, you know, as, as you said that it's interesting too, that they escaped. By essentially doing yeah. what the whispers do, walking, yeah, walking with the dead. I knew they'd be okay, but now she's out there right. all alone, and you know, not yeah. being able to hear in the zombie apocalypse. Uh, people I know had discussions about that, which would be worse: being blind in the zombie apocalypse, being hearing impaired. Right, and you better have a good VA partner if you know, one of those possibilities happens, you know, that you're, you're with somebody that hearing impaired or, you know, sight impaired or something that must be so scary because 
she wouldn't be able to hear walkers approaching or anything else mm-hmm. yeah well yeah well connie um in uh one scene with kelly in an earlier episode mentions that um being deaf is a superpower and um that's that's very interesting because when you lose one of your senses the other senses are heightened. Yeah. become very heightened so when you see that with Kelly, Kelly is um, having problems with her hearing. And you notice in one scene, she kind of, she squats down and mm-hmm. she feels the ground. And she's feeling for the vibrations of the walkers coming. And, um, you know, it's, uh, yep. it's a very interesting way to look at a disability that it, it can heighten their other abilities, which could make them even more sensitive to the which walkers' is amazing, approach. And I'm, I'm glad that they do that. And I know that yeah. Angel and Lauren kind of guide them in things that they may not pick up that hearing impaired people can do. And it, yes. it is sort of a superpower, but Kelly was around people when she had, you know, touched the ground and felt the vibrations and everything. So it's a little safer for her to mm-hmm. be on the lookout that way. Whereas Connie's all by herself. So I'm just worried because that's my girl. <laughs> oh, she'll, I'm sure she'll be fine. She's got to be fine. My, my big, my big hope is that when she and Daryl reunites, we get to see Daryl's first on-screen kiss. I will be as giddy <laughs> as you were this episode and if that happens. That is that would be quite a moment. It happens in and, episode 14 because if the stuff happens with Carol, we're probably not going to get to mm-hmm. see any smooching. Because he's going to be sad. True. True. So. I yes. it's coming up very yeah. yeah, I don't want Connie running around out there by herself until the end of the season. I hope that look at the flowers episode is, you know, her time to pop up and say, Look at the flowers later. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm okay. I'm wearing a little blood. Where's my boy Daryl? <laughs> so, um, I think that covers everything that uh, everything that we had to say for this episode. We did. We did. Another fabulous episode. We didn't get disconnected. Yay. And um, went much smoother this time. Thank you for the feedback that um, those of you who did listen to our first episode have been um, sending Taya's way. Um, It's been fun. And uh, I can't wait to do this again next week after the Michonne-tastic episode. Rick's Food. Yes, yes. Maybe that'll be the title of ours. Rick's Food. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be good. Tough to follow up this episode. And remember, they swapped them. This this past week was supposed to be Michonne's episode. Mm -hmm. And then next week was supposed to be Mm -hmm. Alpha's death. And they swapped the order of the episodes but you know yeah good move i think it's a tough one to follow because (laughs) 9.9 yeah it was so good it really was happy with it it. was yep 
And um, we will we see will. you next week. Um, join us in Boxcar Bye. A. Bye. <laughs>